Hello, welcome back to the Ipswich Basketball Podcast and after a week off to refresh and reinvigorate ourselves last week, we're back with another episode looking at the inside of the running of our basketball club. Today we're talking to somebody who's not actually involved with the club right now, although they do still retain very close ties to the Ipswich Basketball Academy. But that shouldn't take away from Dave Williams' almost decade of involvement with Ipswich Basketball Club. Dave became involved with Ipswich Basketball Academy before the senior setup side of the basketball club existed, and he was around for the beginning and the successful times of the Ipswich Basketball Senior Men's Team under head coach Nick Drain. We'll start off by going through Dave's prior history in sports, in which he got involved as a physiotherapist in professional football for nearly 20 years, and then we'll talk about his love of admin as he gets involved with one amateur sports club after another. You are now listening to the Ipswich Basketball Podcast. Dave Williams, welcome to the Ipswich Basketball Podcast. Thank you very much, Rob. Nice to be here. Lovely to have you here. It's been uh, a year or, or more now, I think, since we saw each other in person. But I know, obviously, you're you're still engaged around IBA. But uh, yeah, looking forward to this one because um, I think if we start right from the beginning, you've got a much more varied sort of sporting background than um, than people might realise. What was your sporting background as a kid growing up? Were you interested in in football, basketball, or anything else? So uh, growing up, which was a long time ago now, um, was definitely football was my main uh, love and, and sport. My dad was uh, a keen footballer and a you know and, and football supporter, so that was my first uh, interest sports wise. Um, actually, golf was my second one. Believe it or not, having seen me at a golf day, you might not believe that, but golf. <laughs> Of when I was a certainly a teenager, um, growing up in Essex, uh, I liked all sports. To be fair, es- uh, cricket was another um, sort of big influence. My uncle was a, uh, a good cricketer, um, and kind of got I got interested in cricket as well uh, as a teenager. I, I, I just loved all sport really, which was you know anything I could do. Played basketball at school, wasn't much cop at it. Liked it because it was a sport, but didn't have a you know a, a great affinity with it. To be fair. Obviously, you're known around IBC and Ipswich Basketball Academy now um, as a physiotherapist, um, as a managing director of Sports Med East. Um, what sort of first got you interested in physiotherapy or sports science, or what was your route into that? Yeah, so that was uh, that was football basically. At school, um, I was pretty keen on playing uh, and did that as much as I could. I was grew up as a still am a pretty mad Arsenal fan and came to realise about the age of 14 that I was not going to get signed by the Arsenal manager of that time uh, or any other manager of any decent side. But I did love playing the game. And so I sort of, I suppose I identified with these um, usually pretty old ex-army bald blokes who would run on the pitch with a bag and a sponge and, and you know, be responsible for getting up off their backsides and playing again. So that's kind of when I first, that was my first sort of, um, understanding of what physiotherapy might be and I thought well that looked pretty cool because I could work in sport so that that was the yeah that was my first interest in physio and then sort of looked into it more 
and realised that actually working in sport was a pretty small part of it and that you know most physios were hospital based and did a, a much wider job than I had realised and probably still now a lot of people don't realise the different roles of physios in, in different areas of medicine so um, it was it was sport that got me interested but you know by the time I got to college I got to uh, experience a whole range of physiotherapy type uh, roles in all kinds of areas really working in uh, in sort of elderly care in intensive care uh, looking after you know, doing paediatrics orthopedics uh, people with head injury and brain injury so a whole range of stuff that I've got um, to experience as a, as a student physio and then a young physio just qualified and I found actually that I enjoyed all of it whilst still sport was my main interest um, and I thought I'd probably you know end up working in the sports environment somehow I quite enjoyed my, um, you know, my, doing my, my physio degree and, and all the other areas that I got to work in when I was a newly qualified physio. That's really interesting then. So just quickly, if we take a look at a working week now, it might not look as sort of sports-centric as people assume. It's, it's fairly sports-centric because of the nature of this clinic. Uh, we set up specifically to try and cater for the, sort of the keen sports people out there because it's not always easy to get quick access or affordable access to, to kind of, you know, good healthcare advice and, and, and injury treatment and stuff. So that's why we set up in the first place. But we do do a lot of other stuff as well, general kind of rehabilitation after, you know, significant injury, leg fractures, car accidents, people falling off of uh, horses downstairs, all that sort of stuff as well as a good portion of it is actually people who are just dealing with day-to-day pain because they've got arthritis or they, you know, sit too long at home, <laughs> working from home at a bad desk with a, with a poorly set up laptop. So we do all of that sort of stuff as well, occupational kind of health type stuff, looking at people with a posture and their lack of mobility in, in the workplace. So any, any kind of, I deal with any musculoskeletal injury. So if it's to do with your bones, your joints, your muscles, soft tissues, etc., then that's you know kind of my area of specialty, and I don't really do much of the other stuff anymore. But uh, as you said, your interest was getting into professional sport, and you did have quite a long career in professional football. Yeah, it, yeah, I did. Uh, quite a few years, I think, a, a bit like uh, a few of my mates who did the same took the same sort of path as me. Uh, so first, when I first qualified, I worked in the NHS in Essex and then uh, in East London for probably about seven or eight years. And uh, and then I started working part-time in football, which was just a typical pathway. There was a group of three of us, three, three lads um, that I was friendly with, and we all started to work actually for Tottenham Hotspur, dare I say it. That was my sort of first step into, into football. Uh, and it was great. So I worked in the hospital during the day and I worked at the Spurs in the evenings and at the weekends after the youth team, sometimes with the reserve team as well. So that was great. And that probably just kind of convinced me that, you know, football was where I wanted to spend my, my whole working week. And then I got a job. Uh, was Well, actually, I left Spurs. Uh, I was going to go and work for Chelsea. This is a long while ago before Chelsea were, you know, one of the richest clubs in the world. It was back when Glenn Hoddle was manager. But my mate was a, just got the head physio job there. I was going to go and work with him. And then I was told that the head physio job at Ipswich Town had come up and seeing as I am from Essex it's not you know it's a town that I knew 
I'd been here a few times and I thought, well, that's, that'd be a nice place to work. So, so um, <laughs> I applied that and was lucky to get that you know, job back in the mid nineties when most of you weren't born. <laughs> so that's a really interesting time to have been involved in football as well. So you would have started working for Spurs maybe early nineties. Yeah. Early nineties. That was, uh, yeah, there's some really good teams, some great players there. People like Teddy Sheringham, Jürgen Klinsmann, Sol Campbell, people like that. Um, some really uh, entertaining teams that they had. Got through quite a few managers. Ozzy Ardiles was manager for a time. And then um, Jerry Francis, the Wolfman. Then. So, so, yeah, that was, that was good. Um, and then I was fortunate. To, when I joined Ipswich, they were in the championship. But they were kind of... They'd just been relegated. But they, they were good years at Ipswich then because they had... I think we had three, four... Four years on the trot where we made the playoffs. It was only in the fourth year that we got to the final in 2000, which was a great day out. People, it was, I think it's been on all over social media back in May because it's 20 years since the club got promoted. So I was lucky, really lucky looking back to be involved uh, in that season where they got promoted, but then also a couple of seasons in the Premier League after that and playing in the uh, UEFA Cup. Seems a million years ago for Ipswich to have, have had success like that. But, um, you know, it's 20 years ago. <laughs> but it was yeah, a really fortunate time. Um, obviously, got relegated again, and, and um, I, I then left the club in two thousand and seven. So over that fifteen odd years working in football, I mean, so many things changed in the game, particularly in in the UK in that time span. What was it like being around some of that sort of culture shift in in the yeah. game and the sort of I don't know the, the kind of invasion of money in football, if you like? Yeah, you're quite right because I think it was what was the first year of the of the Premier League at 92, 93, something like that. So, obviously, when the Premier League got launched, football really took off and, that, and you know, the Premier League's become a, just a huge global brand now, isn't it? It's up there with the you know biggest of the American sort of leagues, the NFL and the NBA and stuff. So, it, it did change and there was a bit of a, um, you know, there was a little bit of a lag on the sort of culture change as well, but I suppose I was sort of witness to that from the, from the beginning. So, um, Players were still high profile and they still earned lots of money, but it's just escalated in the sort of, certainly in the 2000s, I would say, and the money now is uh, extreme and the clubs are ridiculously wealthy. Um, and the divide in football, you know, I suppose in those days, Tottenham were a, a, a big-ish club, obviously in the shadow of Arsenal, but a big club in London. But there wasn't a million miles of difference between them and an Ipswich town in the Championship or even a you know, a Colchester, you could see a, you know, a, a direct link between those clubs, but now they're, they're just, they're poles apart. Um, you know, clubs in the Premier League are on an absolute different quantum level to clubs like Ipswich Town now. Financially, it's just a different ballpark, really. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing. And there's lots of, lots of things, actually, I don't like about the Premier League. Um, it's some great players and stuff and, you, you know, some great teams, but there's the whole kind of, it's lost its certainly lost its soul, I think, which is probably why I got a bit involved with non-league football um, because it just feels like football used to feel <laughs> in the eighties and nineties when I was sure. a young man and and going to lots of games and starting to work in the in the game. It feels like it's sort of you know feels like it's part of community and society and stuff. It sounds a bit bit of a cliche, but yeah, that's how it feels. Football clubs are are, are kind of like. Every club's Hollywood, isn't it? It's it's crazy. 
Would you have been around for um, not so much the, the start of, but the real kind of embedding of sports science as a as a new way of thinking in football clubs? I don't know if yeah, we should have been doing it as long ago as that. Yeah, no, I think I was. I think that's I th- yeah, I think that's fair. Like when I st- so I did, a, uh, you know, I'm a chartered physio, so I went to college, did three years of of, of you know of qualification, etc., and come out with a degree, and certainly in the 80s and early 90s, there were plenty of guys still working at big football clubs who didn't really have a, a formal qualification, who were an ex-player and probably done a bit of, you know, a bit of first aid, a bit of sports massage, but could, but could organise a fitness session. Uh, and they were, you know, responsible for, for rehabbing football clubs. But that, that really started to change very late 80s, early 90s, and lots more chartered physios were getting involved in football so I was lucky in, in terms of timing because suddenly job, the job market opened up it used to be 92 clubs 92 physios you know trainers even as, as they were called but um, when I was at Spurs there were four of us all chartered physios um, when I first joined Ipswich it was only me but, but by five years later we had four four chartered physios working at the club so yeah there was an explosion of of um, in, in terms of sports medicine, but also sports science, as you say, suddenly we had uh, nutritionists involved. We had, you know, podiatrists, uh, osteopaths, um, much more sort of knowledgeable sports specialist doctors rather than just, uh, you know, a GP who likes football. So yeah, it really did. Now again, you look at a, you look at a football club. It's like any any big sports club. You look at an NBA club, and the support staff is just immense. And it's massive. Um, and it's a whole industry, but it's but, you know, but it's but it's uh, something that I'm still very interested in, and still sort of actively involved in, in terms of you know keeping myself up to speed and, and educated on the on the latest sort of science behind sport and why we do things. So when you came out of Ipswich in 2007, you did you go straight into setting up Sports Med East? Yeah, we, we had set it up a bit before that. Uh, the company started, uh, there was myself and two two doctors, two consultants. One was a surgeon, and still is a surgeon locally, Mark Bowditch, and uh, a guy called David Hodgkinson, who was in, in charge of the emergency department for many years. Uh, and David's now the Ipswich Town doctor. So we were kind of, I suppose, working together quite a bit, using each other's networks and using each other for referrals back in the early 2000s. Because as I say, you, you know, not sometimes struggle to find uh, other medical practitioners who who kind of get sport and understand the kind of idiosyncrasies of, of sports people, but also sports coaches. You know what I'm talking about. And so, so these guys are real sports enthusiasts first and foremost. They're obviously extremely competent doctors. So we set a clinic up to try and recreate a, a, a team of you know, medical staff like you would find at a football club or a, a, a pro basketball club and just make that available to the local public because we thought there was a, a demand for it. And it kind of grew from there. So but, you know, that's how we started. Uh, my sort of long-time colleague, Jonathan, um, got involved a couple of years later and it's just grown from there, really. So how did you take to the experience of business management then alongside obviously working as a full-time physio, now you're running a company as well. How do you find the uh, the balance of responsibilities there? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's 
bit challenging at the moment, Rob. It's quite difficult. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's obviously a learning experience. I've, you know, learned a whole raft of skills that I never thought I probably would ever have. Um, and, you know, understanding how business works. I had none of that knowledge really before, before I started. And we've grown from basically me and Jonathan working in a couple of rooms at David Lloyd um, or next generation as it was to, to sort of having a clinic with five rooms and you know seven or eight staff uh, working not only here but across the across the region and schools and clubs and other clinics and stuff so yes yeah, it, it, it's grown and with that I ended up I suppose doing a lot more admin and managerial type stuff than, than um, I had originally anticipated uh, which is it's been good fun it's been really difficult just like you know we're an industry that's been really affected because we're so sort of hands-on with our work so we've had real issues with the recent situation having been closed down uh but still with all our bills to pay so yeah real challenge at the moment but hopefully we're coming out the other side of that and we can kind of get back to doing what we were doing before really it's been 13 years now that you've been working full-time for sports medis then just give us a couple of examples of some of the variety of sports people that you've worked with in that time so we've got some, obviously, got the sort of, I suppose, the obvious ones of, of, of football. Whilst we don't really get involved with Ipswich Town too much these days because they've got their own staff, we, we actually um, still are involved. Uh, we, we provide services for uh, Colchester United, so we're helping them out, and we provide a whole range of services for a number of non-league clubs. And obviously, we've got basketball. We look after um, the Northampton Saints Rugby Academy. Uh, the bit of that that's over here in, in East. Uh, sort of East Anglia, the east of their region. So people like Lewis Ludlam, um, who's an England player, uh, who used to be a little, no, he was never little, really, to be fair to him, but he's a local guy from Kesgrave, who we went to Kesgrave School, and then St. Joe, so he's a guy we know well. There's a number of young rugby players that have come through the through the uh, the ranks at Northampton, like Toby Trinder as well. Um, athletes, we see everybody, athletes, skiers, um People who are doing extreme sports, triathletes, just the whole range, cyclists. Uh, we've got a, a link up with a cycle team that are now actually based out the back of our, our building. So, yeah, a bit of everything, really, which is nice because it's a great variety. You know, it's not a case of seeing, you know, just working with footballers or just working with basketball players. We get all kinds of stuff, cricketers and some guys who, you know, play for Suffolk who play for other sort of counties and stuff like that, um, come in with all different kinds of shoulder and arm problems from you know from bowling and throwing no one day uh, no day's the same as the next one really never know what's coming through the door which is nice oh i can imagine so how did you get first involved then with ibc tell us about the foot well i suppose it probably started with the basketball academy actually did it yeah, it started way before then mate i started with this pain in the let's say backside 16 17 year old lad we used to come to see me when I was working at Ipswich Town. We had a little physio clinic there. And I had this... <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? He was... I've got a feeling. Had a fair few injuries, this lad. He was a, he was a big, this big skinny lad <laughs> at the time. You know, probably taller than me when he was about 16. Uh, and I remember him having shin splints and I think he had knee pains and all kinds of stuff. And he was basketball mad. And then would be about his, you know, his career plans and stuff. So... Uh, I got to know him then, and then he disappeared, gave me a few years of, of rest, uh, and then <laughs> and then I suppose, I, got, I must be about six or seven years later, I saw his name in the paper and photos and 
various bits and pieces. And obviously picked up on the fact that he was coaching basketball, I think, for the uh, we the council program at that time. So that we kind of can't remember how we then met again. Whether he probably got injured again, come see me, uh, and then we just got talking, and he and st- he then started bringing uh, injured basketball players to me or directing them to me. Um, and so that was that was a lot of years. I can't even begin to guess when what year that was. I'd have to ask Nick really. But so really, when they kicked off at, at Copleston was when I started getting um, more involved, you know, on a more regular basis rather than just the odd player here and there. But that's going back. Quite pretty scary how long that is. That must be 10, 12 years, I reckon. Safe to say that Sportsmed and Ipswich Basketball Club have got a pretty established relationship by now. Yeah. Then. Yeah, we, yeah, we have been intrinsically linked at the at the hip ever since. So yeah, and and obviously the club. I mean, I think at that well that, at that stage it was a, it was the academy. There was some you know some really good talented young young guys and mainly guys at that time. I remember when the girls team started. It was probably when Amy first joined, and she was one of I think two girls who came through the academy then. So that obviously the, the the success that they'd had with the women's team years before had. had had stopped and it was predominantly a, a boys' program, and then the girls' program obviously started and then has grown and flourished ever since. But um, I mean, it was when did the men's team start? That must be seven or eight years ago now. Um, and I can remember sort of you know getting involved with Nick and talking about you know him being really excited because they were going to launch a, a senior team again, not just the not just have the junior teams at the club, but have a senior team again. So yeah, it's I mean it's it's clubs actually absolutely kind of grown immeasurably isn't it in the last 10 years really and obviously when the time came to set that senior team up um Dave you were involved with it pretty much from the outset yeah I guess it was I mean at that time I was pretty pretty fully involved with the with the academy uh and obviously you know plan was to to, to to sort of use the academy's success and, and and give a pathway really for a lot of the young guy, guys at that time that the young lads who were playing in the academy team an opportunity to play national league basketball as well as some other senior uh, guys who had been involved at the club before so you know uh, Colin being probably the most obvious one then I can't remember if Tom was involved from the very outset or whether he came in a year or two after the start of the men's team I think it was a couple of years later wasn't it I think probably Lee was Lee involved straight away or was he playing for uh, Essex at the time and then and then came back can't quite remember my memory's not good for that stuff but I know that you know Nick said well we'll definitely recruit well um, you know a couple of experienced players to play around the young the young guys and you know and pull them through and they had great success with the first couple of seasons getting promoted straight away you know and climbed the league pretty quickly Tell us a little bit about your role during that uh, the first couple of seasons obviously back to back promotions and then the time in Division 2 when we had a a team that was pretty star-studded and challenging for promotion and playoffs every season. Yeah, I mean that. that yeah, obviously, at the club as it uh, you know as you started to build a reputation and got promotions. Um, as you say, the, the team that was playing in, in Div Two then was you know looking back, um, full of you know really talented, well experienced, some experience, I say experienced, you know some some young guys. Obviously, you had Tom and. Lee was still only a young man himself then, probably 23, 24. So guys who played, a, you know, a couple of guys who played pro basketball and stuff. Um, but some, some really talented young lads coming through. You know, there were loads, loads of them back then. I'm not going to name check them because I'll miss people. But, you know, you had Sam, you had uh, Jake, you had 
um, Luke uh, and all that sort of cohort, which were you know really a really strong group, weren't they, from right through the club from when they were 12, 13. So uh, I was pretty fully involved with the academy at that stage, and a lot of the guys were working. Uh, sorry, were at the academy. Tom worked at the academy, so it was pretty much like a sort of full on sort. Of, you know, professional level club really. Certainly, the way that Nick runs it always has been, which is why I like it. It's why I've always wanted to sort of be a part of it because it's you know everything's done as as best as possible. Um, but just having access to people uh, when they're on site at, at school, either because they work there or they can get there or they're studying there, makes it you know makes it gives it that sort of professional feel really. So, in a decade plus now of working with the basketball team, um, obviously on the, on the physiotherapy side. Tell us something about the uh, the sort of specific needs um, that a young basketballer trying to build their body up to play basketball at a high level. Some of the things that they might be needing to focus on. Yeah, that, that's a good question uh, because, um, and that was probably something that you know I'd come from obviously experiencing kind of high end football, dealing with different athletes. A lot, you know, yes, you get some big guys playing football, but a lot of footballers are are you know. Five seven to five ten, quite lightweight in terms of body mass, and uh, you know very quick and very agile, very athletic sports people, but quite different to uh, <laughs> seven foot tall Lee Hodges, who um, has got you know the biggest joints I've ever seen in my life, or or Tom Sack, just you know six nine six ten, a completely different body mass, uh, yet has to accelerate, decelerate, twist and turn, you know probably harder than a, a footballer because he's on a smaller court. You know, the amount of jumping and landing uh, causes an awful lot of strain on, on the weight-bearing tissues, in particular your tendons, you know, the kneecap tendons, patella tendons, your Achilles tendons. So that, all of that sort of loading that young basketball players have to do on a body that may still be growing when they're 15, 16 and developing, certainly in terms of bone density still is still developing. Um, so there's an awful lot of um, managing of that stress. And again, things have moved on an awful lot. When I first was involved, there wasn't a lot of, um, probably wasn't any S&C. And now, you know, the S&C input's been really important and, and vital for keeping those young players fit, but also getting them to adapt to the environment that they play in and, you know, and building their capacity to load and also just absorb load as well. So big changes. Um, so that's quite a challenge for me, really, because that's quite different. Lots of similarities in between football and basketball, but lots of differences as well. And the sheer amount of jumping and landing when you are, you know, six foot five, six foot and fifteen, and still growing is a is a is a a real challenge for anyone basketball players. You've been involved with management and rehab of some fairly serious injuries over the course of uh, your involvement with IBA in particular. What's your approach, obviously coming from a background of working with professional sports people who are in a place to play you know, elite level football, um, know that they have a job to come back to essentially when their recovery from injury is complete. How much does your approach have to differ when you're dealing with a 17, 18-year-old who is playing for their future in the game and has more that they want to achieve? That's another good question, Rob. You've done this before, haven't you? You're not bad at this. Um, so, 
I would say there's lots of similarities. And again, going back to one of the reasons I like working with the basketball club, really. Um, yeah, listen, I've seen plenty of footballers who had, you know, big injuries. Not usually career-threatening injuries because we don't lose many people now in their careers. Um, but certainly that might threaten them getting another contract. And football's, football is a bit of a cutthroat business and long contracts are not the norm these days. So... So when you get a big injury and you're out for six months, there's lots of psychological pressure. Uh, and you know, if you're a 17-year-old trying to find your way into the game, it's a real stress as well. And that's definitely what I've witnessed with young basketball players as well. We've had one this season, you know, which we'll talk about in a minute. Certainly you've had them historically over the years, some, some big knee injuries, for example. I suppose the, the, the most common thing probably is an ACL injury or ACL tear. Um, so Hayley had one of those when she was at the academy Joel Keeble going back some years um, both had big knee injuries you know and you, you start, it then affects your kind of career options in terms of what you can do next if whatever, you know wherever you think you might be going in terms of uh, recruitment and stuff is, is difficult if you're out for you know eight, nine, ten months rehabbing um, I suppose the most recent one this year has been Moyo who's been out for a long time um, with his kidney's rupture, which is a bit of an unusual injury in a young, in a young, such a young player. But again, he's been out for eight months, and you know he's difficult for him to deal with that because he's come to Ipswich to, to play for a season, and I think he played two games, uh, and so that puts a lot of that like physical stuff is okay because you can work on the physical stuff. But the, dealing with the mental pressure for athletes who are out long time in, injured is is really is really tricky. So. Um, that's been a long journey for him, which thankfully he's he's through now, and um, you know he's fit to play. It's just <laughs> he's got weight to play now, unfortunately. But it, it, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll tell you it's been a it's a it's a stressful time for any young person, you know. And he's not the only one. We've got other young people at the academy who you know who aren't able to play, um, who haven't been able to continue with their careers, and it's you know it's difficult difficult times because generally people are there because they love the sport. And, and you know, love playing it, and it's, it's how they want to spend their time, or even possibly, you know, use it as a career. So, anytime anyone gets injured, whatever, whatever level, whatever sport, if it's a, if it's you know for more than a, a few weeks, that the psychological implications are, are quite significant, and, and we used to kind of probably underestimate them, but I think we're probably a little bit better at identifying that and, uh, and, and making sure we manage that as well as just the physical aspects. It's probably one of the physio challenges that maybe you weren't anticipating when you first came into the role because anyone who's watched behind the scenes sports documentaries or watched The Last Dance recently, for example, will have seen how much time injured players spend with the physios and with the, the, the training staff in a sporting environment. And you're kind of around players when they're, when they're injured, when they're down, when they've probably got, you know, they're seeing the, the sort of hurdle in the way of getting back to the game. Maybe psychology is too strong, but is the sort of mental support side of the job more significant than you might have realised before you went into it? Oh, definitely, um, definitely. I, you know, it was for me. It was all about the physical, of, you know, physical ways of managing an injury. Yeah, and I didn't. Looking back, even at college, it probably discussed a bit. It's probably one lecture. Um, it's it's certainly something that I've kind of learnt and developed skills in over the years and um, certain I'm better at it now as, a, as an older guy than as I was as a, as a younger physio just in recognising the 
you know, the effects of, uh, yeah, psychological effects of, of injury and or pain and all the anxiety that that can bring and how that impacts on how people deal with it. And they deal with it quite differently and some shut down and, you know, kind of switch off and, and want to withdraw and others go the other way and, and, you know, try and overdo things. And so, it's, yeah, there's just... It's definitely something I, I didn't realise the whole sort of psychological implications of it. So as the long association with IBA continues, on a personal level, you've taken a little bit of a step back from IBC in the last couple of years. Just tell us about that, because I know that there was a very good reason behind it. Yeah, um, obviously was it, I was involved, as, as we've discussed. Um, I get, then got sort of more and more involved, I suppose, in the background with the organisation of it, just, uh, spending quite a bit of time with Nick in the academy and we'd invariably be talking about um, not just the academy but the club as well and the direction it was taking and Nick always sort of refers to my kind of experience and background in, in, in a professional sporting environment and you know that I was, I was happy to, uh, sorry I was lucky to um, you know gain experience in, in how, how professional clubs work and the sorts of things that need to be done so I just tried to sort of help you know, with a bit of advice and suggestions as and where I could really. Um, so you know how that works with Nick. So you, you start doing that and then the next minute you're on the committee and you're organising <laughs> golf days and stuff, which was great fun and, and, and really good for me. Um, we had a great time. And the only reason I really took a step back was because I got more involved. In my, my son was getting older. My son's a sporty lad um, and I probably put him off basketball, but he's just like me. He's sort of football mad. Uh, not like me, he's a good athlete as well. So he, he sprints and he hurdles and triple jumps and stuff at Ipswich Harriers. So his kind of sports activity was going up and up, which meant I needed more time to help out. I've got two daughters as well, um, who, whilst not particularly sporty, you know, need a bit of dad time as well every now and again. Um, and then I started coaching my son's, well, I was asked to set up a, uh, uh, a new sort of Sunday football team from the farm uh, playing in a sort of a regional league it's called the Eastern Junior Alliance so started to do that we got linked up with Layson Football Club who are a club I do some business with or had done some business with for many years and they were looking to set up a more of a youth programme so I got um, asked to sort of help with that as well and because I was coaching that I couldn't really you know give the time to the basketball club that I had done in the past really. And it obviously follows you around because we're talking about, I think it's, the, what, three years ago at most that you started coaching in football. And now we're, uh, we're at a stage in 2020 where you are pretty heavily committed with, with Leicester FC now. Yeah, uh, that's a, obviously a personality defect I've got. So <laughs> I've always coached, I was helping out with my son's team from eight years ago probably and he was just playing Saturday football in the local you know Ipswich and Suffolk League for a team in Marshallstrom so I've always coached his football but um, he was decent and there's a few lads there who were decent I thought they should probably play at sort of the next level up really so they're not you know they're not academy level at Ipswich Town but there's the, the next level of football up for, for young boys is on a switches to a Sunday um, certainly when they get to the age of, sort of 13, 14 and it becomes a regional league so um, they basically, I was asked to sort of run one of those teams for Leyston. So at that stage, it was just I was managing that team, had a coach with me. Second year, I got a bit more involved and was sort of running the youth programme, albeit there's only two teams. And 
this season we've got four and I'm sort of looking after the whole youth section um, and I've got more and more involved with the club and um, I'm sort of back involved with the first team as well. So we've got a new manager at the club. I had a couple of managers, a bit of a managerial merry-go-round in the last couple of years at the club. It's a lovely club. There's lots of similarities to basketball uh, for me. Great people involved, uh, you know, just good, honest people who want to do things as best as they can. A club that's small, that punches above its weight. You know, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> um, you, know, you know, fairly small town, Laysan, yet they're playing step three, which is, I don't know, well, you know, the pyramid, but, you know, you've got obviously your football league, then you've got the conference, then you've got conference south and north, and then we're in the divisions below that. So one of the highest ranked clubs in Suffolk, Needham, Lowestoft, Laysan, all the three clubs in that division, you know, and, and just really good people. So new manager came in to, well, just before lockdown, uh, who's someone I know quite well, and he's invited me to get more involved this coming season with the sort of fitness, um, not just the, you know, the, the, the medical side of things, but, the, but helping the players with their sort of fitness and conditioning. So that's something I'm looking forward to, a bit of a new challenge for me, but again, a fairly familiar territory, I guess. So yeah, I just can't seem to help myself, but sort of dive in the deep end, really. Um, <laughs> my wife just shakes her head at me, but she's she's no better than me. She's got involved as well now. She's helping on the sort of sales and marketing, trying to bring a bit better organisation to it. So she's as bad as I am, really. Really interesting to hear, though, that uh, it, it clearly is a personality defect, like you say, that you you can't <laughs> seem to avoid getting involved with heavy administration, whether it's in your working week or uh, in the hobbies you pursue at the weekend. No, I think I've just got a real thing for spreadsheets. So whether it's a, or you know planning, training diaries and and stuff and squads and all that sort of stuff. I just love an Excel document, me Rob. So yeah, can't leave it alone. Long may it continue. Well, hopefully um, we might not see you around the club on a regular basis quite as much anymore. But uh, I'm sure there will be a regular calendar of fundraisers once we're back up and running. And uh, hopefully we'll see you around at some of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get some kind of golf date organised for the summer, and I must get myself down to start watching some games again. It's kind of difficult. I've also been, I've also turned into a part-time builder for the last couple of years. I was, so I built an extension at home, and that just took up every every minute of every weekend. So that kind of killed off the coming to games because we did used to, you know, Amory and I used to enjoy watching the games. Um, you know, look, sports fix and a quick pint on a Saturday afternoon was. Uh, was was ideal, so I'm hoping to get get back to doing that a bit more this year, if football allows, of course. Evidently, not one to sit around and have a lazy weekend. <laughs> no, I'll do that when I'm old, mate. I'll sit down when I'm old. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for giving us the time to come on the Ipswich Basketball Podcast. One of the busiest men I know in the week, as well as at the weekend, by the sound of it. So, thank you very much for giving us the time this evening, and really nice to talk to you again. Rob, it's been great. Thanks for really enjoyed reminiscing. It's been, uh, yeah, made me smile the whole way through. Cheers, mate. Thanks very much, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, take care. Hope you enjoyed what Dave had to say there. What a varied and interesting career he's had in professional and amateur sports. He also did quite a nice job along the way in the podcast of trailing some fundraiser news that we might have to bring you in the next couple of weeks. So please stay tuned to our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram feeds 
for more information as soon as it becomes available. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.